You're listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Dane. Welcome back to another episode of Reach Teach Talk. I'm excited today to have a guest with us who's going to focus on a topic that's on all of our minds every year at this time if we work in schools. Uh, it's late April as, I, as we record this, and this is a time where we are anticipating the end of the school year in June, and we are also making plans, uh, well into actually making plans for the upcoming academic school year. And all of this involves change. And any teacher um, who's a relational teacher, any person who works in schools with a relational aptitude or acuity would think about the end of a school year as a bittersweet moment. Regardless of whether this class has been among the smoothest you've had this year or whether it's been one of the more challenging, there are going to be high points that we remember together. And there's going to be also, we still have some time ahead of us in order to really try to make this the best year we've had and really try to end the year on a high note. That's a very natural incentive for us as human beings to try to, you know, get a sense for not just our students' growth from September through uh, June as an upward trajectory, but also a growth in our own, our teaching or our school administering or school managing to be able to say, you know, I am, um, I'm in a better position now than I was at the beginning of the year. Maybe not fully, but in this area of my job or in this sentiment I have about my school. This year, however, we have a transcending factor. Uh, the spring of 2020, as I mentioned before, will always have an asterisk next to it because of the pandemic that has affected the world and certainly in, many, in all ways, and in this case, in our focus, in the world of education. Change has been thrust upon every member of a school community, and it's happened in a pivoting way. And what I mean by pivoting is it's not been an anticipated change. It's not been a change where we can strategically plan for it and take years to, to, to build up to it and then execute it. For many teachers and school folks, it's been a 24, 48-hour pivot to the remote classroom. So I'm very fortunate. We are very fortunate today to have as a guest, Lori Palco, whose executive consulting company really is based on helping institutions, schools included, work through change. And what Lori is going to talk with us today about is the change cycle, how change affects us as human beings and individuals, and also how change affects us as institutions. Lori's company is called Love Money Purpose. And while she's based in Atlanta, Georgia, she is able to run her firm all over the country and the world, thanks to what we are all now familiar with, thanks to this pivot, through remote technology. So, Lori, I want to welcome you with open heart to this conversation today about the change cycle. Thank you, Nat. It's great to, to be here and to be with you. And uh, when we talked about doing this, this podcast episode on change, we didn't realize how much change we were all going to be facing. So um, I'm happy to, to walk through it with, with everyone, um, you know, and just, just get a chance to uh, share some of what I've learned about navigating transitions and change over the years. That's fantastic. And I want to add um, that I worked with Lori on a day-long retreat back in January at the midpoint of the school year, far before 
the uh, COVID-19 um, hit the U.S. And, and it was just beginning in China. So we weren't even considering it, but we were talking about the mid-year. And the reason why we had this retreat was because, you know, it's not too late to have your best year. We're halfway through the year and we are in this kind of stable position, the plateau, the middle part of the, uh, the school year. And we and Lori ran a fantastic seminar about change and about the change cycle and how even during the, the normal, um, normal rotation of a school year, we're dealing with change. Schools are institutions that are organisms at heart, right? They are human-based uh, organizations. And by that, we are looking at inflow and outflow all the time. We're looking at different directions that schools will go in terms of mission, in terms of um, strategic planning, in terms of curriculum and, and instructional uh, pedagogy. So change is constant, right? The only constant is change. And yet change impacts us on a very cognitive, but also a very emotional level. So Laura, I'd love to just, you know, it's kind of start this conversation with just this idea, a simple question, but why is change so scary for so many of us? We, we try to process change and make sense of change and our natural human reaction is to either fight it, freeze because we're, we're fearful, or to flee from it. And it's just the physiology and psychology of, of change. And there's one big overarching reason that we don't like to admit, and that's because we like to control things. <laughs> you know, we may be excited about a change we're initiating, but Im immediately we go into, oh my God, you know, there's, there's a lot of fear that comes up because we've put something in motion and now there's a lot of factors that are going to come into play. So the change cycle is a model that was developed over 25 years ago and it actually started with research in Africa. And it's been used in, in education and schools as well as Fortune 100 companies and for-profit and not-for-profit businesses of all size. And I, I love that it focuses on the, our human reaction and relationship with change. Because so often what I find in organizations, Matt, is everyone is focused on the desired outcome of the change and how we're going to get there and what the implementation plans are going to be. And it doesn't really focus as much on the human aspect and the natural thought, feelings, and behaviors that we're going to have as we go through change. You know, Laura, this is so many, so many points that I want to kind of return to in what you just shared. And, and let's just start with the, the broadest point, which is when I asked about why is change so scary, your answer is, it's really, without having said it explicitly, um, the idea that when you're scared of something as a human, this is a human feeling. We are scared of change because, because change relates to a lack of, as you said, a lack of control. Control, lacking, uh, loosening control or letting go of control or not being in control brings about a, a state of anxiety, fear. It's natural. And it goes back to our primal, um, our, amygdala, our amygdala and our primal uh, thoughts. Yeah. Um, is, is that right? I mean, is that, is that yeah. the connection? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm thinking about how when I was, when I was a young administrator at a school, I, I, I absolutely, when I look back at how I executed some changes, I didn't think enough about how important it was to recognize exactly what you're just saying. 
that change brings about a loss of control, which as a human response brings about anxiety, which can be fear. And as excited as I would be, I think that my biggest mistake was not laying out the, a broad kind of uh, roadmap to achieving that change. And I guess, I guess, and this is just, I'm only speaking out of instinct here. So maybe you can help me and, and help me uh, and help us think about the importance of laying out that type of roadmap and what would go into that type of roadmap and what would a, a long-term roadmap for any sort of change in a, in a school, for example, what, would, what value would that have over helping to placate people's emotions? Does that make sense? Sure. And I think it all starts, and it's, it's so important right now with everything going on, and we can come back to that, but it, it starts with the communication process from the beginning. I don't know about you, but I, I also had a background of almost 20 years in independent schools and was assistant head at the Atlanta Girls School. So I, I can speak from some of that same experience that you speak of. And um, so often the, the administrators are coming either from a place of excitement about a change and, and what it'll mean or a change they have to initiate and, and they may be coming from their own place of of fear about acceptance. So a lot of times what, what I have found in schools and in other organizations is leadership tends to overhype the, the change and why it is good for us and why it is, is necessary. And, you know, they're coming from <clears throat> that lens and everyone in, in the room, in the faculty room that's hearing it is coming from their own perspective of how that change is first going to impact them. So too often I, I see leaders make the mistake of not communicating in a very comprehensive way. And that is communicating specifically why a change was initiated, whether that's a strategic or a financial reason, um, making sure that they understand some of the the risk in the in the change that it's it's not all good and it may not be all good for everyone um, talk about maybe short term and medium term and, and long term milestones so that people can understand what that pathway is going to look like over over a period of time communicate as much information as you know and also if you don't have the information say that we don't have all the answers. And too often, I, I think we're afraid to do that as well. And I communication of a change initiative or communicating changes in schools or any organization is not a one-time event. It's not a, at the beginning of the, the school year, we're talking about a new schedule or a new program, and it's, it's the last time we talk about it. So having... Um, communication meetings, especially if it's a big change that, you know, after the initial announcement, there's, there's follow-up reiterating what was, what was said. There's also department meetings or smaller group meetings. Leaders need to be visible to, to answer questions. And I would just double down on that in today's environment to have consistent and transparent communication is critical and it's to all constituents not just to to faculty and staff consistent and transparent uh, uh communication is, is just key as you said it's almost like just 
even if it's at the at the risk of over overstating or repeating yourself, you know, if it's every other day or week, this is a change. We're doing this change. We're making this change. This is a good change because it, 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 it relates also to your, maybe we don't say that's a good change because it's not, it may not be a good change for everyone from the people leading it. It may be. And that's why we need to be available to listen and to understand how it impacts everyone. I know. I'm glad you interjected that because you had mentioned that point earlier and I was going to get back to it because it, it stood out. I was like, wait a second. You mean, you mean, the idea of acknowledging that change will not resonate positively with everybody in your constituency is important. So we don't, we don't need to fix how people are feeling and we don't need to fix um, in terms of their thinking about the change. Yeah. I mean, at, at some point people are going to have a choice in terms of how they move through the change and how they embrace whatever it is. But we need, to, we need to be good listeners, too, and not just talking out people saying, this, this change is good for you. And, and we make that mistake a lot. Leaders make that mistake a lot. So I think it's, it's some of our own fear about how are people going to react. Um, because, again, a lot of times the, there's change that has some, some some downsides, you know, even if it's a positive change. That's why I say it doesn't matter if we label the change good or bad. It may be a, a great change in some respects, but it, it may be um, very different expectations for faculty, even though the students may, may benefit significantly from it. And the parents may be happy about it, but it puts a greater burden on, on um, faculty and staff. I would say that we get lost in our desire for the outcome of and attached to the outcome of the change and what we want and we lose sight of the process and how much care needs to go into the process. What's the reward in this? How important is that to communicate? I think it's important to be very transparent about what issue are you, are you solving or what goal are you achieving by initiating change. So I would say in terms of vision, it's about the overall, how does the change fit with the overall vision and mission of the school? And are we, is this change aligning with our mission and values and our vision for teaching and learning at a school? Well, hey, let's let's take a step back. Actually, I'd love I'd love to actually walk back with you and and just have you explain, uh, kind of teach us the essence of the change cycle, so we can actually have maybe as we as we uh, listen to this episode, we can as we leave this episode, we can leave with a a few words or a few a bit of common terminology that can help us as we as we think about change in our futures. Yeah. Okay. Um, as I think I mentioned, there's um, six predictable and sequential. Um, ways that humans process change. And when the research was done, they found that, again, no matter what the change, change was, that there was thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in each stage that were, were common to that stage. And then there were six experiences that everyone went through, some very quickly, some of those stages you go through very quickly, but that, that actually you go through them in, in sequence. Those six experiences are loss, doubt, 
discomfort, discovery, understanding, and integration. So when I teach this, a lot of people say, well, it sounds like the five stages of grief. And, and to some degree, you know, that, that is true. Um, and what, what we do is try to help people get perspective so they can move through change in more conscious ways and responsive ways than reacting to it and, and almost being a victim to the change, which I can say that, that in my school experience, we've seen that as well, right? Where people feel like, you know, they are a victim and administration's doing this and administration thinks faculty's doing this. And um, the change cycle creates a greater level of awareness about those thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that you may be experiencing in each stage. So let's just start with, with stage one, which is the experience of loss. And, and really, again, it's a loss of control in that something new has happened. It's, it's different than it was before. And again, even if I initiated it, Matt, um, if I initiated a change, I'm still not in control of it anymore, right? Mm. When, I, when I started my own business, it was exciting, but it was also very fearful because I'm like, God, look what I just did. So I went through that process, even, even though it was a good change in my mind. Yeah. So we try, to, we try to help people walk through, and the stage one objective is to go from, you know, a sense of fear to safety. So one of the ways we do that is we ask questions and we, we gain some perspective and awareness. So if, if I'm in a state of fear or anxiety, I need to start looking at, you know, what are the real fears that I'm experiencing? What are my real concerns? And what am I making up in my head? I mean, they say we have over 80,000 thoughts a day and the majority of those, um, almost all of those are unconscious thoughts. So the, the change cycle is to help us become more aware of what is driving our thoughts and feelings and behaviors so we can move from a sense of initially fear to, to safety. Stage two, I, I talk about a lot because it's the doubt stage and with the pandemic we're going through right now, I think a lot of us are in, in stage two. And stage two, we want to go from a sense of doubt in that I don't have enough information, I don't know enough, to a sense of reality. And one of the things that we like to ask ourselves in stage two is what information do I have and what information do I need to know? And that's always a good question when you find yourself in a state of feeling paralyzed and doubtful and even sometimes passive aggressive is like, okay, what do I need to know? Like, how do I get grounded in reality? So I'm not overthinking this and making up, you know, reality in my own mind. So what, what information do I need to know? And how do I get that information? Stage three, this is one I find um, in schools a lot is discomfort. And that's where we're in an overwhelmed stage. A lot of times where we feel unproductive because 
there's too much to do. And that's why I find this a lot in, in schools because we tend to add more and more. And so when we're in stage three and we're in a discomfort overwhelm, I like to ask the question, what is the next right thing to do? And what help do I need in doing what is being asked of me? Or I may need to ask my boss, how can you help me prioritize what's the next right thing to do? So we, we want to go from a place of, of discomfort to motivation. So eventually we can get to a place where we stop looking at the change happening to us and against us, which is normally stages one, two, and three, to the change happening for us, which is stages four, five, and six. So sorry, but it's just, it sounds like it's about the halfway point, right? We is, are. <laughs> is where it changes from being this feeling of fear and uh, discomfort and resentment and whatnot to actually we're moving now into a positive second half. <laughs> yeah, right. And to a, a stage of discovery where there's, there's hope and there's, there's possibility. And, you know, when you think about it, I haven't said this yet, but think of how adaptable we as humans are. I mean, in all the changes we've already navigated in our life, right? I mean, from the time we were born, you know, and started walking to, you know, changes, going away to school, going um, to college, getting married, changing jobs, moving across the country, all the things that, all the changes we've navigated, okay? And, you know, when we're in the middle of it, we don't always see that, that we're ever going to get through it. But a lot of times we look back and we say, wow, that was the best thing that happened to me. Or, you know, I didn't like it while it was happening, but I really learned to live with it and I learned a lot through it. And that's really what um, stages five and six or the change cycle is about understanding and integration that we learn from it that we learn um, and we reflect and what went well and, you know, what, what can I do differently next time? And how do I um, help people that may be at a different point in the change cycle? Um, you know, we talk about reflection a lot in schools and how critical reflection is. And that's a lot of what that stage six is, which is about integration. I have often said, Matt, that, that, individuals and organizations that learn to navigate change and will transform by learning that and they will spiral up if but if they don't learn how to change and change in a healthy way for the individuals at the school then they're going to spiral down i really think learning to navigate change is what helps an organization transform and, and be the type of employer um, we'll talk about schools here that that schools want to be um, and the same things that they want to be for their students for their employees and all the constituents of the school what, what types of leaders or what have leaders that you really have admired how do they how what can you what, how can how do they implement stage six how, how what can leaders do to help shape a school culture where the teachers who are impacted by the change or whatever the constituents are best have this sense of, I have benefited from this. I have come out of this recalibrated in a sense. 
I think first that the leader is in a constant state of, of learning about their school and their organization. Okay. So that it's a, it's a reflective time for the school. Let's, let's say a school has gone through some major initiative, major building project or major change in, in schedule or programming. I think it's important to one, celebrate the successes. I don't, I don't think we celebrate enough the successes that we've had. I think it's to, to ask a lot of questions about the learning and what went well, what could have we done differently? You know, are we hitting the metrics that we talked about when we initiated this change, the reason for the change? So that there's, it's not just, again, saying, here's the, the change, it's, it's going to be good for you. It's a constant learning process for the organization that involves integrating change as a skill within the organization. So you're constantly responding to your mission and your values. And I think it takes a leader being very visible and being uh, a great listener, asking for feedback, um, celebrating what went well, celebrating you know the efforts as well as learning how to get better for the next time it's funny i'm picturing a hard hat right now because building projects like i i've been through several building projects in several different schools and i've seen leaders kind of put on a hard hat and they yeah. disappear for two years like you just don't see the head of school anymore because they're they're consumed right there's only so many hours in a day with you know the project manager and the contractor and the raising know, money <laughs> right, money. raising money for it. So, but then there's also, I've seen, you know, heads of school and administrators who actually really do make the effort, um, find a way anyways, uh, to, to touch base with the faculty and to recognize this has changed for all of us. This is not easy. This is, you know, but I've been to the mountaintop and I can see how, you know, this is going to help us in, in the long run. Um, I've seen school faculties actually, Lori, come together and strengthen through having had two years of you know, modulars and trailers and Absolutely. right. Um, and, and, and they feel really actually quite prideful about not just the building that's been created or the new, but themselves. Yeah. Cause it is a, it is a process. I think, you know, as we learn to, to navigate change and, you know, understand all the, the feelings and thoughts and, and everything we went through and to come out the other side and, and know that I've, you know, I, I stayed with it. I, I learned from it. I helped others with it. I asked for help when I needed it. I mean, isn't that what schools are all about, right? Is, is learning. And so I think, I think leaders, whether you're in a school or not, need to be a learning um, leader and need, they need to um, embrace being a learning organization. I love that. And just like teachers, right? Some of the greatest teachers um, are, are constant learners. Um, right. and, and they're fascinated by learning, not just their, their subject material, um, but the learning process. And I want to step back for a second and, and just, I was reflecting as you were speaking, the leaders, it's not, I don't mean to put too much pressure on the head of school either. That's, you know, there's only so much they can, you know, so, many, so much time they can allocate toward balancing the whole new team that they're working with, you know, relating to, say, a building project and their, their current team, their faculty. But maybe it's an idea of, of how these heads of school can utilize their senior admin team, communicate really well with them so that they can 
much more regularly and frequently communicate to the school constituencies instead of the uh, the head of school. Does that make sense? It, it does. And one of the, the things that I have found in teaching the, the change cycle, which which um, is good news and bad news for for teachers and administrators. Um, I agree with everything you said about you know the head of school and the next you know group, the admin team. But what I love about the change cycle is the self awareness um, translates into a level of acceptance about what is what is happening, and it puts a lot of personal responsibility on everyone to lead in a way that they can from the role that they play. So to me, the change cycle is about self-awareness, acceptance, and then taking very intentional and conscious action. So if I'm that fourth grade teacher or I'm um, the athletic director, whatever role I'm playing, the more I'm aware of how my own behavior is and what I'm thinking and feeling, the more I have to take responsibility for that. And, you know, we're always at choice in terms of how we react or respond. And you and I have talked about that before, you know, it's, it's, so it's up to everyone in a school to, to be a more conscious leader in whatever role they're playing. Cause kids are looking at that fourth grade teacher, athletes and coaches are looking at that athletic director um, so it doesn't just fall on the head of school. It falls on everyone. And as you mentioned, we did this, this uh, mid-year workshop in uh, L.A. in January, and there was a lot of teachers and, and some administrators there. And everyone, I think, walked away with a greater sense of their own personal responsibility to be a leader in the role they play at schools. You're absolutely right. We were talking about keeping the ballast in our classroom, right? And uh, to be the teacher who has that stability and, and where the students don't have to worry about like, which, which uh, you know, Miss Smith am I going to have today, right? I, I, I know Miss Smith, you know, as a person and there'll be, you know, she'll have, you know, good, she'll be in a mood one day or something, but, she, but I know her well enough to know that she is stable. She's constant. She's communicating with us. Um, you know, sure. it, it's fairness. I'm thinking about the teachers that I'm thinking about from the teacher point of view about school change and thinking about like, what can you say to teachers who feel like I don't want to trouble the school leadership when it comes to, you know, the change, but I've got questions and, you know, I know how I feel, Lori, when I've got questions that are unanswered, they kind of fester in me, they kind of swell in me and it, and somehow it comes out in a different way and not always healthy, not always you know, optimal. So what can you say to teachers or to other, just anybody staff at a school who are and you know, they're, they're undergoing the change and they're with it and they're, they're along, they're going with the river, but they are feeling still like they've got questions and they have got concerns, but they don't know necessarily, they don't want to trouble the, 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 those who are at the, you know, in the, in the throes of it all. Yeah. Well, first thing I would say is, is, um, it, you can't you can't view it as it's from a place of trouble because as you know if, if you have that question probably someone else does have that question and there's a lot of, of unanswered questions that the leadership would would benefit from knowing so they can clear up any confusion that that may exist 
um, I think if if the intention is pure that you're just you're, you're struggling with needing more information and you you need more information about a specific area relative to the change or data on why the, the change is being initiated and you come from that perspective I think you'll find people very very willing to engage in that conversation and share with you information that that they have they may not have all the answers and I think that's important for leadership to acknowledge that but you know if it's a if it's a healthy just desire to know more then I think people will be very willing to engage in those conversations on the contrary what you don't want is you know being the loud voice in the faculty room to ask the question that your intention is really to put someone on the spot or it's it's not really coming from a place of of trying to learn and get more information to move from doubt to reality it's more in being passive aggressive so if your intention is is pure i think to be very willing to to engage and answer those questions the best they can Laura, this is fantastic. This has been just a very, very um, in-depth and informational uh, and wise um, conversation about the human impact of change and how we can all use the change cycle to help us navigate what otherwise would be a very random ocean of currents and winds and tides and weather systems. Um, how we can all together do that. Is, is there any final kind of comment you'd like to make about um, that you haven't been able to make yet about the impact of change on us and feel free also if you want to you know broaden it out to the current situation that we're all going through which has required us to marshal our best uh response to change yeah let me yeah, let me um finish with with that matt um you know you talked about pivoting and and we we pivoted and from school leaders that i've talked with it sounds like you know Faculty and staff across the country did an amazing job to pivot and to begin educating students very quickly from a distant standpoint and closing down those campuses. So I just think it shows how adaptable individuals are and organizations are. Um, you know, I think we're going to go through a series of, of changes in schools as we look to the summer and we look to opening. 2020 and 2021 and I guess what I would say is every, a lot of things I said around communication and being very consistent and transparent with that communication and with all constituents and uh, the reason my business is called love money purpose is I think um, it's going to be important as communities come back together um, to stay flexible and also know that while we pivoted really well the first time, um, as change continues, and there's going to be so many changes to open school in 2021, and you know we may need to shut down again, who knows, okay, is that we do lead with love. And that people are going to need some extra care and attention this year in schools. And you know, independent schools are one of the main reasons that uh, we send children to independent schools is, is safety. 
and the care and the knowing that student. And I just think it's going to be important across the board for, you know, everyone in the school to be aware that, you know, this, this changing environment is going to bring about new issues for people and new feelings and just, just be gentle with yourself and be gentle and kind with others. That is such perfect wisdom to leave us with, Lori, because we are exiting a very unusual end of year for all of us, and we don't know what lies ahead in terms of how our schools are going to open at this time. Yet this conversation and this episode has been about the importance of looking at our relationship to change and how our relationship to change impacts our relationship to others and our relationship with ourselves. This podcast is all about relationships, right? In the classroom, in the classroom of life. And this has been a fascinating and really educational look at our relationship to change. It's a human, it's an emotional relationship, right? It's a, it's a spiritual relationship, honestly, because we are looking at a fundamental rocking of our foundation. So what do we hold to for hope? Part four, I think, right? Part four of the cycle involves hope. And, and then ultimately, with our relationship with ourself, you know, by part six of the change cycle, how are we able to use reflection on the change process and how it's impacted us? And how have we, how can we discern how we've grown from this experience of change? So I'm leaving this conversation, Laurie, feeling uplifted, actually, because while we're dealing with the day-to-day changes that are coming at us unpredictably through this pandemic and its impact on all of us, I'm feeling like I've got a better sense for how to grasp the daily uh, unpredictables. And I, I imagine our listeners and viewers are feeling the same way. So Lori Palco, founding executive director of Love Money Purpose. Check them out on their website. Listen to some of her talks. She's just Absolutely wonderful. And this episode, Lori, is definitely evidence of that fact. So thank you for taking the time to be on Reach Teach Talk today. Thank you. It's been my my pleasure, Matt. It's uh, great to be with you always. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Damon. If you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode, you can send your suggestion or questions to nat at reachacademics.com.